0: Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Our aim of this show is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism. We know that racism is steeped in our society and there are all ways, multiple ways that it shows up, sometimes in very subtle ways, in ways that we haven't even imagined and that's why our guests on the show they range from any conversation from menopause as we're going to talk about today to uh owning a bookstore to working uh in the workforce we have a range of topics and so i'm delighted today to have my guest who is here to talk about menopause in the workplace as well as talking about racial equity but Before we get started today, we're going to start as we always do, and that is with finding our breath and taking a moment to center and to ground ourselves. So if you would, I invite you to close your eyes, connect with your breath, noticing the way that you are breathing at this very moment. Is it slow and calm? Is it rapid? Does it feel natural? Connect with your breath, which is the very essence of you and the life that is within you. Breathe in and out. Knowing that that breath represents divine wisdom. Breathe in and out connecting with that wisdom. Knowing that together that there is nothing that you and divine wisdom cannot accomplish. Breathe in and out identifying that wisdom as your sacred intelligence that part of you that helps you to manifest your greatness while helping others to do the same. Breathe in and out knowing that your sacred intelligence helps you to make choices that are good for you and for others. Breathe in and out hearing that we are all Interconnected, Your sacred intelligence won't allow you to do anything that's harmful to others. Your sacred intelligence will help you to be mindful when others are doing things to harm you. And your sacred intelligence will let you know when you're doing things to harm yourself. So connect with that sacred intelligence, that divine wisdom that wants the best for you and for others. Breathe in and out, believing, accepting that you are loved and you are love itself. Breathe in and out knowing that you are a divine creation. You are sacred and you have power. You have the power to change the status quo. You have the power to be the change that you want to see in the world. What you do matters. Breathe in and out. Recognizing that you are a gift to the world. Recognize that wherever you sit, wherever you stand, wherever you are placed in this world, you are in the right place, the right time, the right gender, the right socioeconomic status, the right position to change the status quo. And together, we can achieve racial equity. Breathe in and out knowing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, Open your eyes and let's begin. Today, we are talking about menopause. And one might wonder, what does that have to do with racial equity? Sadly, in this country, and I believe in many other countries as well, there are medical disparities that exist based on one's race and of course, on socioeconomic status as well, and a few other factors, but race is really a prominent one. You've heard me say on this show before how people I know, people of color I know, have been treated very differently than white people when they go to their doctors. You've heard me talk about how my own general practitioner negates how race impacts my health. In fact, she referred to it as political. Well, my body is not political, I'm not political. So it's important to understand how race impacts my life, therefore, how race impacts my health, particularly as it relates to stress. Well, today, My guest, Pat Duckworth, will be talking with us a bit about just how menopause is different for women of color, for instance, as opposed to white women. Perhaps we may find that shocking and surprising, but indeed, it is different. So I want to welcome my guest today, Pat Duckworth. We're going to learn just a little bit more about Pat as we go on, but there are a few things that I want to tell you about her. I want to tell you that Pat is a women's well-being and workplace menopause strategist, and I'm so delighted that she has no shame in mentioning menopause in the work that she does, because There's nothing to be ashamed about when we talk about this issue. She is an international speaker. In fact, she's in England right now. And I'm so delighted that she is on the show today. After 30 years of working in the public sector, Pat retrained as a therapist and as a coach. She specializes in menopause and advises employers who are committed To supporting people in the workplace at this transitional stage of life. And I love that she says, who are committed, because often employers will say one thing, but then they do another. Now, Pat has published five books, including the award winning Hot Women, Cool Solutions, How to Control Menopause Symptoms Using Mind Body Techniques. Her latest book, Menopause mind the gap the value of supporting women in health in the health and workplace was published in january 2021 and she has others let me just say she is an expert in this area so pat welcome 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 i am delighted to have you on the show today It's
1: such a joy to be with you, Terrilyn. I always enjoy talking to you, even though we cover
0: some pretty serious subjects. We do. And and Pat, but what I love about both the subjects that we're covering, menopause is serious. uh, Dismantling racism is serious. But look, we can find laughter in anything that we do, even in the midst of pain, because they say laughter is the best medicine, right? Mm -hmm. That's why comedians often, you know, joke about things that are the most serious in life because we need to find a way then the other thing is we also have fun before we get into the subjects because if people had seen us before the show began we were dancing to the music right there so pat i want to start by asking you how did you get started with this idea of we need to talk about this because you know, for a long time with women's issues, we're taught, don't talk about that. You know, even when it comes to, you know, other things, we'd say, oh, my friend is coming this month. Yeah. Now, at least, at least back in the day when, when when we grew up. You know, there was a bit of shame in talking about the changes in our bodies. So tell me, how did you get started and what gave you the courage to say, I'm talking about this?
1: yeah and women don't even talk with their mothers about it or their friends it's just crazy that this really important stage in our life for some reason we can't talk about it so the first mention i ever heard of menopause was when my brother who's four years older than me and we must have been teenagers at the time he said i am out of this house before mum goes through her menopause and i thought i've got no idea what he's talking about but that sounds pretty serious (laughs) So this is the first mention was there was something wrong with menopause and it was not going to be good. And so and then Mum eventually ended up having a hysterectomy when she was in her late 30s. So which is pretty early. Um, So I got to understand a bit more about what was going on. And as I was kind of getting older, I thought, you know, I need to find out about this stuff. And that's really unusual. Most women are like, don't talk to me about it. Don't tell me anything about it, almost like we attract it if we talk about it. That is not a law of attraction thing, okay? This is about (laughs) educating ourselves. Um, And so I started educating myself about menopause and, you know, just so that I would be prepared. And then I got to my late 40s and I was working in government. I had a a director's job i was commuting hours every day and just to add to the fun i was studying for an mba as well <laughs> and it's like the world had gone out of focus i couldn't see as clearly and think as clearly and i didn't put it down to menopause because i didn't understand brain fog and this was a clue to me oh my goodness you need goodness, to that... find out about this
0: I, I, I really, you know, we're gonna have to take a break in a minute, but this brain fog is a very serious issue. Yes. And when there's so many other medical things happening, when people start to have this fog and can't remember things that they should be remembering, they're like, wait a minute, am I losing yes. my mind? And that 40, you're telling me this starts as early as, or even earlier actually. I'm not, I'm gonna keep people
1: hanging until we come back to so. <laughs> All right,
0: Welcome back here. All right. So, so you can tell that Pat used to have her own show because she wants to make sure that we go to commercial break on time. And so we're going to be right back with Pat Duckworth talking about menopause and then also talking about how menopause is different for women of color. This is the Dismantle Racism show. We'll be right back. back with my guest today, Pat Duckworth. And before the break, we were talking about uh, menopause and we began um, talking about this brain fog that women experience. And I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. And I want to say, if people are listening live, please put your comments in either on the Facebook page, uh, my Facebook page, um, or you can put it on YouTube as well, and we'll get your comments because you might ask some questions about menopause. So Pat, tell us about this brain fog. I know. Uh,
1: And in fact, it's um, World Menopause Day next Tuesday, the 18th of October. And the theme this year, always has a different theme, is cognition and mood. And those are fancy old terms for brain fog and that roller coaster that we go on. So brain fog is a thing, and um, so the average age of menopause is 51, but you can go into it much earlier, you can go into it later, this period before, periods actually stop, and there you go, I've shockingly said the word periods, Um, (laughs) uh, is perimenopause, and um, so I was in perimenopause in my late 40s, but some women go into it much earlier, and this feeling of brain fog, it's for me it was like the world had gone out of focus i thought i needed new glasses for other women it's you know their memory is shot to pieces they just don't remember things they can't make decisions as well it's like their clarity is gone and one of the reasons we need to talk about it is it can be really worrying and some women think am i in the early stages of dementia mm. is, this what it, is this what happens
0: so so pat i want just some for some clarity The symptoms you're describing are for both perimenopause and menopause or one or the other. So
1: menopause is actually one day. Although we talk about it as though it's the whole thing, menopause is the day one year after your last menstrual period. It's that day. So if you say I've gone through menopause, it means you've gone a whole year without periods. You've been through menopause. And so that that time before that, when you're experiencing symptoms, your reproductive hormones are reducing the estrogen and the progesterone are gradually going down. Your follicle stimulating hormone, the one that releases eggs, the level of that is going up, but it's all disrupting the processes of the body and it disrupts our brain processes because women's brains
0: run a lot on estrogen. Yeah, so so then Pat, if those, symptoms are there perimenopause Mm. and then they some of those symptoms still remain postmenopause right Mm. so you have that one day and then you have postmenopause so they still are there after correct yeah because
1: the hormones are still settling down i'm doing all this with my hands because i'm such a visual i'm trying (laughs) to draw a picture for you right right picturing this downward curve as though as the level of those hormones decreases and the ratio between them widens we get into something called estrogen dominance even though the estrogen is reducing and we have to get to a new place of balance But as I just said, estrogen is a very powerful hormone and it affects over 200 processes in the body and in the brain. Mm -hmm. So if your body's being fueled by it, you can imagine 200 processes being disrupted as your body readjusts to not having that estrogen that it was having before. And that's why we can get, some women get like, loads of symptoms um and other women hardly get any at all we don't know
0: Mm. it just depends on your experience so let me so it's really uh, this is really enlightening because first and foremost i can remember uh someone who was really close to me you you said people can think they're getting dementia i remember her calling and as you're you know, I'm thinking back as you're talking. I remember her calling me one day and she was probably 40-ish maybe. And she said, I think I'm, I'm losing my mind. I don't mm. know how to make this pie that I've made a million times. And she said, don't tell anybody, yeah. you know? But I was I was her confidant because she just felt like something is happening to me. So I know that sometimes when we're overworked,
1: mm.
0: we can, you know, have a brain fog as well so there must be a combination yeah. of all the things that are going on in our lives you know I, I can remember what my kids used to say to me and I brushed it off really as being you know overworked because I always have two or three
3: mm-hmm.
0: jobs that I'm doing and you know sometimes you could you're searching for a word yeah. and, and I remember my kids during their teenage years they would say mom I'm worried about you yeah. And I would say, just, just try working as much as I work. And then knowing that our bodies are changing, which is really another thing that's interesting, too. Um, I remember my sister saying to me one point when I had my children, she said, I feel sorry for you because they're going to be adolescents when you are going through menopause, and they're going to have their periods, and you're going to, you know, and and so it is a discussion that we need to have Mm -hmm. so that we can understand that when there are these shifts in moods, uh, we'll understand where they're coming from and to be able to talk about it. Now, this does not give anyone, particularly those who identify as men, an excuse for (laughs) saying, oh, you're just going through the change, or you're just saying, no, Mm -hmm. it's about understanding. I want to know Pat. Um I, I want to get into a little bit about how stress impacts us yeah. and how um and how that how there are changes or differences with within uh, certain groups but before I do that um you know I'm just with with menopause it impacts all of us differently. What is the research on people who have children versus people who do not have children and how menopause impacts us?
1: That's really interesting because there have been res- often when researchers want to look at women who haven't had children, they research nuns. Huh. Because nuns living in female community, um, not having sexual relationships, not having children, makes them a really good control group for looking at what's going on with it. And they've looked at, so you mentioned stress, and you know this whole business of our, our experience of menopause is a multifactorial issue, it's a holistic issue and stress plays into that. So if you were looking at nuns and say, what's their experience? How's their health? How are their brains affected? They did find that nuns' brains were affected in the same way as other women's brains were affected, but they didn't seem to get the same incidence of Alzheimer's post-menopause as other women do. And they partly put it down to the fact that they lead more communal lives that they have more kindness around them and more understanding around them and the fact that they're kind to other people has an important role in their experience of their health and what happens post-menopause so there's something in it for us because we know that stress is a major factor in looking at women's health overall and right. menopause.
0: So wow, there you said so much in there there. I want to follow up with that. Um, well, there are a couple of things. So when women live together, we know that their periods are synchronized mm. because there's a chemical that we release, yeah. right? Is there any research to say with menopause in a communal Uh, setting that menopause is kind of stimulated around the same time as well
1: I don't think there's been that much research into that and women's research research into women's health has been generally underfunded underdeveloped we're just starting to see more research now women are so complex that when pharmaceutical companies are researching drugs it is much easier to test them on male rats male Mm. mice and men Mm. so even in the laboratory they're not using female mice they're using male mice because they don't have the same cycles that we do okay so research into women's health generally has been underfunded we're just starting to see more of it as they get interested i think the pharmaceutical companies have seen a huge opportunity in addressing menopause because 50% of the population are gonna go through it. And they start to think, huh, we are missing out on some money here. We need to do some research. So I'm hoping there is research now going on into neurology around menopause, what's actually going on in female brains at that stage, which is really interesting. And I hope that we're gonna see more of that.
0: Well, I I appreciate you saying that part because you also just mentioned when you were talking about the nuns, you mentioned Alzheimer's. So what is the connection between menopause and Alzheimer's?
1: So we know that women have a higher incidence of menopause of Alzheimer's in their later years. And it's not just that women live longer than men, it's actually there is a higher incidence of Alzheimer's amongst women. And that is partly what's triggered this research into what's going on. And when they've looked at the brains of women pre menopause, during menopause, post menopause, they notice changes in the actual structure of the brain Mm. and that women at menopause develop more amyloid plaques in the brain, which Mm. can be a precursor to Alzheimer's. Now they're not saying, oh now we know what's happening because you can develop amyloid plaques and not develop alzheimer's Mm. but what's really being said now is because we don't know enough it's so important to women pre-menopause all through their lives to be taking care of their health and taking care of their brains eating the things that help to support our brains doing the exercise limiting the stress because there is an issue that more women get Alzheimer's as they age.
0: Mm, so real quick, Pat, then before the break, what are some things that people can do around food? For instance, you said, you know, uh, taking care of our bodies and all this. So what are some, some healthy things that we can do? Well, the latest
1: research says that the um, Mediterranean diet, and I'm not talking about a diet, I'm talking about like a way of nourishing our bodies is probably the best for our brains, so we need the healthy fats. This isn't about not eating fat because you might find you're getting a little bit bigger around the waist. Mm -hmm. This is about eating the healthy fats, the olive oils, the the really well-produced butters, the avocados, uh, the oily fish, uh, because our brain needs omega-3 oil. Um, we need plenty of hydration our brains need water so don't think oh I won't have a drink in case I need to get up to go to the bathroom at night no your
0: brain needs the hydration keep oh and that is so true isn't that isn't that (laughs) what people do because with menopause people find that they're getting up more frequently during the night. So they're like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. It's
1: okay to get up during the night. As long as you go back to bed and go, Oh, I am so grateful to be in a safe place and comfortable. <laughs> I'm
0: going back to sleep. It's
1: all good. Um, well,
0: I love that Pat because here, here's the thing. If, if you have to go and you don't go, you're you're saying I got to go, <laughs> but I don't want to get up. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so staying well hydrated, eating healthy fats, eating a rainbow of fruit and vegetables because we need the vitamins that come from that and um, really you know the complex carbohydrates so we don't want the white sugars the white flowers the white pastas we want the carbohydrates that we get from fruit and vegetables Um, and really we need to exercise to keep the blood flowing around our body because our brain needs that blood flow as well so eat well exercise
0: Oh, thank you, Pat. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be back with my guest today, Pat Duckworth, talking a bit more about menopause. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? We're back with my guest today, Pat Duckworth, and we've been talking about menopause. Pat, you mentioned stress a few times and how stress impacts us in terms of menopause. Now we know that people of color experience anywhere from 25 to 50% more stress, but just by being born into these bodies and what we experience talk to me a little bit about differences that you've noticed in terms of how people of color may experience menopause if there are any differences but in particular uh what are you noticing around equity issues and menopause it's such an important question and it's an aspect of menopause
1: that we need to keep raising and talking about um because Stress has an impact on your symptoms. Stress causes cortisol to be released into the system. Cortisol is an inflammatory. It has a job. It has to gear you up, get you going every day, but prolonged periods of stress and too much cortisol in the blood inflames the system and makes the symptoms that you're experiencing worse. And for people of color, women of color, that can mean going into menopause, months maybe years earlier than an equivalent white person Mm -hmm. and also there's the disparity in the health system here in the uk and in america and probably in other countries as well and the outcomes concerning women's reproductive health so women of color have worse outcomes when they are pregnant when they're in labor, post-pregnancy, and at menopause. And there can be genetic differences in terms of being more prone to developing fibroids, which are benign growths that can occur in the, around the ovaries, around the cervix and the, and the womb. Um, and it can lead to having hysterectomies. So more women of color have hysterectomies proportionately than women do than white women do so these kind of differences mean that you know that the experience of racism which causes day-on-day stress in the body is affecting your sleep it's affecting the balance of your hormones it's affecting the other um, symptoms that you experience that's why we need to talk about it and address it so that women of color understand what it is that they're experiencing and why it might be different from other white people that they know.
0: You know, as you're talking, I I just keep thinking about the women that I know who've experienced exactly what you're talking about at very early ages, experiencing the, the fibroids, the endometriosis, because I'm guessing that it contributes to that as well, and how those things You know when doctors are not paying attention to those things they'll just say oh it's family history Mm -hmm. you know or or just brush it off without thinking about are there things that we could do culturally in terms of or or just as a culturally as a society in terms of reducing the stress that we're experiencing, all the things that you just talked about with the eating and exercising and all of that, but how we take care of ourselves mentally as it relates to the daily experiences of racism. And then what do we do systemically yeah. to help people, right? And I think, you know, the more we know, the better we are at taking care of ourselves. So all those things that you just described, if we don't know that, for instance, about the cortisol level and Mm -hmm. how it impacts us, and we're experiencing this every day, we just take it as, oh, this is just the way I am, or this is just the way my family is, not knowing that we need to do something about it. That's why we need to have these conversations and just openly acknowledge
1: it having those conversations within communities and across communities so we're kind of understanding because you would hear, I mean, in the past two years, there's been much more in the UK press about menopause generally. There is a a TV personality called Davina McCall, and um, because she's a young woman, um, she's had a lot of publicity. She's just published a book. She's got people thinking about um, menopause generally and she's got people going off to talk to their doctors and many women are turning around and saying well my doctor's just dismissing me and saying this isn't important and not understanding so there is a general level of women's health problems being not properly looked after and then when we get to women of color there's a whole other layer going on there and a whole lot of different circumstances where this whether racism, background level of racism, is causing this stress day on day, and stress affects our bodies and how our bodies operate, and we need to talk about it.
0: Do you do you know the whether there is an I won't say an abundance of research, but you just talked about how difficult it is to do research in general on women. Oh. Do you think that we have enough research? for women of color, like really to talk about how it's so dramatically different because you've just talked about some really important things and it feels like we need some more answers and some more ways of treating perhaps women who are going through menopause
1: yeah i mean the swan report is ongoing so the study of women's health across the nation um is is ongoing and live and looks at these issues to say what are the differences in women's experiences and what's contributing to it so they look at things like oh well there does seem to be uh you know in the In the groups that they're researching, there seems to be a big difference between women of color, white women, Hispanic women um, and Asian women. And what do we need to strip out to get to what's causing it? So they start to look at, well, is it socioeconomic? Is it, you know, cultural? What else is going on? And if they strip those out, they say, well, there's not much different. But how can you strip them out? Right, where racism affects your
0: socioeconomic group that's right that's right you culturally right and and you know what pat one of the things that you know when you were talking before and you talked about how cortisol affects um you know even when you have children and etc well we do know that there's research out there that shows that infant mortality in middle class black women is more significant than it is in poor white women. Yeah. So that that in fact is about race because they've said they've attributed it to stress, and so we have to really take a look at this stress level. It's amazing that that you know we're still standing on some days, right? So even even if um, there's research to show that internally you know, we're dying internally faster, about eight years faster than white yeah. because of the stress that we experience. Pat, I want to ask you, um, you know, we, we began by talking a little bit about weight gain. What is the average, if you know this, uh, weight that women gain during menopause? Again, I don't think there's that much research about it. Most
1: women will tell you that they start to change shape and that is kind of obvious you know if you think of menopause as being the twin of puberty when you went through puberty your hormones started to lay down fat in all the sexy places you started to get breasts and you got a bit of a bum and hips and you were going into this lovely shape and that was your hormones laying down fat in those places and then you get to menopause and it starts to lay down fat in other places which unfortunately, because of ageism, we think is less attractive. So it starts to lay down weight around the waist because that is one of the areas where we store oestrogen and around the belly. And we go, oh, it's terrible. It's a natural shape at this age of life, but we all still want to be 18.
0: So are you telling me we should just embrace it? Just embrace that weight gain around there. It shows our maturity, that we're we should- <laughs>
1: We should only really be concerned if we put on a lot of weight around the waist. Your your body, your brain is trying to do a good thing. It's trying to store some hormones for you. But if it puts on too much weight around that around the waist, that fat is metabolically active. That means there's stuff going on. And if you put too much weight on there, it can increase your risk of various cancers. Mm. So we're like, we want a little bit because we want some reserves, mm. a spare tire is not a bad thing as long as it's not a big spare tire um, so we should really be thinking about what's a healthy weight. This is not a stage of life to be dieting. Don't mm. start taking fats out and like oh, I'm never going to eat another carbohydrate. no, it's not about that it's about thinking about what's healthy at this stage of life and Looking at portion size as well, because as we get older, we don't need as much food as we used to. And sometimes we think, oh, why can't I eat a whole plate of that? Well, don't think that, just think what is going to keep my body satisfied and working healthily. And, you know, if you put on a little bit of weight around your waist and your tummy, embrace it as your new sexy self.
0: That's So, Pat, let me ask you, though, because I have heard people, you know, talk about you know, an increase in appetite. So Mm -hmm. is there a connection with even perimenopause and um, just an increase in appetite?
1: Uh, I'm feeling really hungry at the moment because it's autumn, (laughs) you know, different things affect our appetite. And I think in a previous life, I must have been a polar bear and like eaten (laughs) at this stage of life and then gone to sleep and woken up slim in the summer so there are really different things that affect our appetite and it's working out whether it's because we're stressed if you're not sleeping well it it's very hard to maintain a healthy weight when you're not sleeping well Mm. because the hormones that govern sleep change so there It's Again, it's a complex issue. And if you're feeling hungry, there might be something that you need to be looking at, whether you might have emotional hunger, you might be feeling sad or fed up or frustrated and you eat because of that. So look at whether you're physically hungry or whether there's something else you need to deal with that you're just satisfying with food.
0: Okay. Pat, we have to take another quick break and we're going to be back to wrap things up with Pat Duckworth. We're back with the dismantle Racism show. Pat, I want to ask you, because you do uh, this, this work about menopause in the workplace. So tell me a little bit about what you do when you are going into the workplace to talk to employers about this, because as we said throughout the whole show, this isn't something that people talk about. So what do you do when you go into the workplace? So it
1: depends at what stage I'm invited in. There is now, I mean, in the UK, we are tripping over research into why it works to um, support women at menopause in the workplace. When I first started out and did my first talk on menopause in the workplace, it was 2015. And I think there was one research paper, but that was really helpful. But now universities, uh, personnel, a company lots of people are doing research in the area so sometimes if it's really early stages I'm explaining why it works for them you know what the bottom line implication is of ignoring women at menopause because many women walk away from their careers at this stage of life because they think they're getting Alzheimer's they think they can't cope They don't understand what's going on. They're too embarrassed to talk about it. So all of that experience, all of that knowledge, all of that training just walks out the door and the employer doesn't even know why. Mm. And really supporting women can be incredibly cost effective. It's not that expensive to provide support systems. So depending on the stage they're at, I might be explaining to them why it's an issue. And then they go, right, we want a menopause policy because here in the UK, a lot of companies have put policies in place.
0: Mm. And I don't
1: like to think of it as like pink washing, you know, like, Oh, we've got a policy. Well, we're all done
0: but i will tell you it sounds like you're much more advanced in this area than oh
1: we are years in front of you years but the us is starting to get interested i'm getting more inquiries now to talk about this in uh, american companies and so i stop them at the stage they say we want a policy and i say okay now what do your employees want because The support employees want will vary from industry to industry, company to company. So in some, you know, if you're in a retail industry, the women might just want to be able to go to the bathroom whenever they need to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can't take that for granted. Some employers, like you can go at this time, this time, and this time. That's it, five minutes back on the shop floor. And, you know, if you're having heavier bleeding because you've got fibroids or you're just going into menopause, that is not good enough you know so it Mm. might be that you're working in an office it's open plan people need fans on their desks Mm -hmm. again not taking it for granted for some companies saying oh that looks too untidy we don't want fans on desks." well do you want your employees to be working properly or not an example that i've talked to you about previously i've worked with um, a fire service who have women firefighters and the women firefighters said, well, what we need is sanitary packs within the fire um, appliances, so if we're out dealing with a big fire, we know that there are sanitary towels that we can use, that, you know, there are wipes that we can use, um, we, at different stages of the month, our waste is different sizes. You know, if I'm getting a bit of bloating, my waist is a trouser, a pant size bigger than it would be normally. So in my uniform pack, I want two sets of pants.
0: I love this. I love this because you're what you're talking about are these really practical steps that companies can take to to say that I'm mindful that you as a woman show up differently than I do as a man. And some of these companies are even run by women who probably don't even think about these very practical issues because we get used to accommodating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we shouldn't think it's only male
1: managers who don't get it. Female managers don't get it either unless they've had this experience. They might be younger, they might be older, and they had an easy transition. Great. But, you know, let's be empathetic. I say this isn't a women issue. This isn't a man issue. This is an empathy issue. This is about understanding what somebody's going through. And one company recently has made yoga classes available to their women at menopause, because they're saying, well, we know that, well, the women have probably said, it would really help us if we had something to help us calm down. Mm. You've got to listen to what it is staff actually want before you start building a policy. For many women, having flexible working hours is a lifesaver. Perhaps they want to stay in bed a little bit later in the morning because that's when they can sleep and they don't mind working later in the evening. Or maybe they want to come in early because that's when they've got energy and they want to go home early, which is when they just feel burnt out. So Mm. flexible working time can be really helpful, really doesn't cost the company anything. So we're not talking expensive stuff. We're talking about listening to people and hearing what it is they need.
0: Mm. So you're so what you're doing uh, two things I, I believe. So you go in and you just kind of take a look at the company and see what the company needs in order to make life better for the women uh who are there. But what you're also doing is that you are taking away some of the stigma mm. that's associated with the things that we go through as women because for far too long people have made jokes. Mm-hmm. at our expense about periods and about menopauses, about going through menopause without understanding exactly what's happening. Now, I have to ask you one other uh, question, and this is going back uh, to just thinking about how women go through through menopause, and I would be remiss if I don't ask you this. What is happening to women there when the women are still in their 60s and they're getting their periods, which means that they haven't hit menopause yet, technically, by your definition, what is happening if they are still getting it? And whether they're getting it monthly, or they're getting it, you know, two or three times? Yeah, so,
1: you know, I I come across women who've gone through menopause in their 20s and 30s, and other women who are still having periods later in life. And that's why we always talk about this average age of, of being around 51. But I think if you're getting to that age and you're still having regular bleeding, but if you're if you're having heavy bleeding, it's time to get it investigated because it's not always just about your hormones. There could be a fibroid issue. There could even be a cancer issue. So it's really important if something is seems out of the ordinary to go and get it checked out because, you know, you can think it's menopause or not menopause and it it really needs to be looked at further. I talked to one company and it was the manager, the male manager who brought me in to talk. And I realized why partway through when I got to Q&A and he said, why is it that my wife's periods have stopped and then a year later they've started? And then they've stopped. And a year later, how many times is this going to happen? And I said, I don't know how long it's going to happen, but that can happen. So we have to be careful around our reproductive health. If we've got periods stopping and starting, because you could still get pregnant.
0: Yeah. Well, Pat, I just want to thank you so much. I think that this has been so enlightening and tell folks how they can get in touch with you and and, and to work with you because apparently we need you here in america too, doing this work
1: <laughs> you do i could tell you so much there's so <laughs> much to tell um just it's really simple PatDuckworth.com uh is how you can get in touch with me there's a contact page there and you can download um uh, for free the first um, chapter of my book menopause mind the gap so you understand why menopause is a workplace issue you can find it on that website you can message me pat's at pat and i'll happily send you the link
0: well pat you have been a delightful guest uh and a very informative guest and i really thank you for being on the show today i also thank As always, my amazing, amazing listeners, thank you for joining me each week. If you want to know more about the services I offer, please go to sacredintelligence.com. I do have a two-day retreat coming up on the 21st and the 22nd of October. Please join me for that. And I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Liebowitz, where he, he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that are going to help you to manifest your greatness while helping others to do the same. Know that we are all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now.